you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. And you're listen- listening to Wednesdays with Will, and I'm Will Addison. And Man, it's a pleasure for me to be with you today. Um, just a few things before we get things really started here. Just a few announcements. Uh, first of all, make sure that you're registered for the Marriage Family Life Conference, the, the uh, last day to register. It's coming up. It's Friday. <laughs> It's Friday, so you only have a couple couple more days to uh, get your registration in, to get your ticket, so you can be a part of this. It's going to be a great, great conference. I'm expecting the Lord to do what He always does, like He meets us there. Um, and so, if you're able to attend this year, you know, by all means, if you've been kind of, you know, just teetering on whether to come or not, and if you know you really want to come, well, go ahead and get your tickets. Uh, go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net uh, to attend the Marriage Family Life Conference that's happening uh, in July. And so all the details about the conference on the website, but well, we would love to have you there. And remember, we have our youth apologetics track. It's a big part of the conference, and so the whole family uh, can be ministered to. Ages 4 to 17, we have something for the young people, and it's not just Juice and crackers. <laughs> it's a lot more than that. Uh, we also have uh, apologetics for them. We have uh, things that we're going to be teaching them as well as the parents and grandparents. So marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net for the Marriage Family Life Conference. And so just want to really uh, put that out there that it's about to close down. The registration is about to close. So if you have not gotten your tickets and you want to, uh, I will go today. And um and do that. Also, if you want to email us, you can email us at addisons at afr.net, addisons at afr.net. If you'd like to watch the broadcast live, you can do that via Facebook and YouTube. Just search Airing the Addisons, Airing the Addisons. And, um, man, it's just thinking about the topics that we have been talking about for the last couple of days. Man, insidious, the insidious nature of what's happening in our schools um, what's going on in our culture. We have to really be vigilant as parents, as grandparents, as those who uh, are in the lives of, of children to be able to protect them. Um, there are some hard decisions that I, I believe parents are going to have to make. Uh, not, it's not easy. You know, there's some sacrifices that are going to have to be made. Um, but when we are seeing what's happening and going on in the school system, and we've been talking about this for a long time. Um, and it's only getting worse. It's only getting worse. There's some decisions that parents are going to have to make. Uh, there's, go- there's some decisions that, that families will have to make, even beyond the parents. Like grandparents may have to step in and say, how can I help so that, so that my grandchild is not being exposed to all this stuff that's happening within the schools? 
And uh, like Miki said yesterday, you know, just for a long time, you know, you you didn't want to come down too hard on what, you know, on because it made it sound like you're coming down hard on teachers, but that's not the thing. You know, it's the whole system. It's that system. And as, as now is the time you have to look at it as a Christian and, and say, hey, is it prudent for me to have my child in this system? Is, is it prudent for me to have my child in this system? And so just the, some of the things that we've been talking about the last couple of days, you know, remains on my mind. Um, and I, cause I just feel for, for parents out there who are desiring to, you know, uh, raise their ch- children up in a godly fashion, but the, the places that you're bringing them, the school that they are attending, if it's a public school is working right against what you desire, what you say you desire. And so at some point we're going to have to be like, well, what do I need to change? I can't keep doing this and expect there to be different results. There won't be. And so at some point, there's going to have to be some real um, challenging conversations between uh, husbands and wives and grandparents and and children and, you know, uh, things that we can't avoid, things that we can't avoid. And so I just want to encourage every uh, parent out there, every grandparent, you know, to pray concerning these issues, um, to ask the Lord how to to navigate uh, what's before you, because it's serious business. You know, I, I do a, a teaching on, um, you know, uh, Daniel, Hanani, Azariah, and Mishael, and how they were indoctrinated. They were, they were indoctrinated before they went to Babylon, so Babylon could not get inside of them. They were raised to be ready, is the talk that I do, is raised to be ready, and how the parents had to have raised them in such a way that when they were just children going into Babylon, uh, to the captivity, they were able to stand against Nebuchadnezzar and all the stuff that was happening there. How were they able to do that? It had to be something that they were getting in their homes. It had to be something that they had already been, um, they had already been captured by, you know? So when this indoctrination plan went forth from Babylon, it didn't affect them. Now, there were many other children, many other young people who were taken captive, who bowed down and did the things that Babylon required, that Nebuchadnezzar required. But these four, they stand out because they didn't. And so my question has always been like, Lord, what did their parents do? They had to have some type of influence on their lives to where these young men as what the Bible speaks of as them being yelled, uh, young young men, ages 12 to like 15, like young men, able to go into these situations uh, be, being given new names, right? A new name, uh, having the, the Babylonian culture pressed upon them. You know, they were trying to uh, make them eat the food that they would eat, all kinds of things, but they didn't submit to that. What did they have internally, you know, that they were able to stand even during that, that type of pressure? And I would say for our 12 to 15-year-olds today, if you have those uh, out there, you know, if, if you have children that are that age, would they be able to stand that type of pressure? Are they being raised to be ready, right? Are they being raised to be ready for what's 
not only coming, but what what is here? What is here? And so that's not what I was going to talk about today. And actually, I have a guest that's going to be in with me for the second segment uh, talking about uh, a great opportunity that we have here uh, to reach out uh, to the community and things like that. Um, But I want to kind of explore during this segment and hopefully during the last segment um, some things about Moses. Now, Moses is a character (laughs) Um, he's one person in the Bible that I've, I've really been drawn to. Um, I mean, there's a lot of great men and women in, in the, in the scriptures and, but Moses, he, he would always stick out to me. I, I felt like I could identify with him on a lot of different, you know, levels. Um, but one thing about Moses, Moses, he was a broken and humble man. You know, but he didn't know he didn't start out that way. Moses would spend many years in obscurity before God could sufficiently or adequately use him. And that being broken and humbled in the presence of God was what caused him to be able to be used by God. And when I say, you know, there's some similarities, well, I feel like, you know, there's been some things that happened in my life, you know, where God has um, and, and, and is continuing to humble me, you know, that he can use me. And if anyone is going to be used by God, you have to be humble before him. The Bible talks about that, how God opposes the proud. He actively fights against pride but he gives grace to the humble. And one of my prayers have been, has been for myself, even from a young age, when I really understood the power of meekness and the power of being uh, humble, is that, Lord, that you will make me humble. Well, to pray that prayer, you're going to have some things happen to you to build humility. So it's not one of those prayers that we like to pray, you know. It's almost like, Lord, make me patient. That's one of those prayers that, okay, you want me to form patience with it within you, you're going to have some situations that arise where you're going to have to be patient, right? So the same thing with humility. But there's a lot that sticks out about Moses, and I've talked about him before on this this show. But I was thinking today, this morning as I was praying, and I was thinking about uh, Moses. What qualified him? Uh, to be a leader of God's people. What what qualified him? Because, see, a lot of times when we think about leaders, we think about uh, those who are maybe uh, charismatic, meaning have charisma, maybe they are outgoing, or sometimes we think about certain um, intangibles, like certain giftings that they may possess. And it does not always have to be uh, the speaking type things, but just certain uh, internal gifts that they have. Maybe they are very resolute. You know, maybe they are very, you know, whatever it may be that when we see leadership or when we think about leadership, we think, man, yeah, that person is a leader. We can sometimes look at people and say that person is a leader. And so I was thinking about Moses and he didn't have those giftings and those different things that would automatically set him off as being a leader but he had to be broken because 
he didn't always exist this way. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, it says, Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up, that he went out to his brethren and looked on their labors, their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that, and when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, Why are you striking your companion? But he said, Who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you kill the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, Surely the matter has become known. Now, this is, this is, this is a portion of Moses' life before God was able to use him, but he went out in his own strength to try to help a fellow Hebrew. Now, he had grown up in the house of Pharaoh, but he began, I mean, he understood the hardship and the labors of the people, and he he knew that he was one of them. And so he took it upon himself to try to deliver and to try to do some things in his own strength. So Moses didn't start off being humble. He didn't start off being meek. He started off being pretty, you know, strong in his own mind and wanting to do something to help his people. But God had to break him to a level to where he would really be able to be used by him. So Moses, his, his life was spared because God was going to use him as a leader. He was going to be one that would overcome. But Moses identified oppression, and he had a heart to correct it. He was a leader. He identified people being oppressed, and he was going to correct it. But he came up with his own plan to deal with the wrongs. That's where we mess up. He came up with his own plan. And Moses he acted out of fleshly anger and is now on the run because of his hot-headed response. So Moses didn't start off being a meek man. He started off being one that felt like, hey, I can do this and I'm going to deliver these people. I'm going to help my brother. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. We're talking about what qualified Moses. Stay with me. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. You're listening to Wednesdays with Will. And I'm Will Addison. And um, we've been talking about Moses and what qualified Moses. Uh, This was really sparked by something I was praying about this morning. And God brought Moses to my my heart. So I was reading, you know, going back and reading some of the things. And it's just amazing how God, uh, he has a plan for us. And how Moses started off, you would you would think like, man, okay, well, that's not going to be much God's going to do in this man's life. 
But God has a way of um, orchestrating situations, right? He's sovereign. And so he knows where he's trying to get us. And if we are yielded to him, like he will, he will make things be what they need to be. And so I talked about before the break how Moses, you know, saw the hardship of the people and how they were being treated. And he decided to do something that was very noble and, and wanted, wanted to free and help his fellow brothers. But he did it in a way that was fleshly, right? He did it in a way that, you know, he just let his full anger uh, be released. And he killed a man. Imagine that. He killed a man. And so because of that, he had to run away. He had to leave. And he found himself for years now tending a flock. You know, he went away. He was married. He got married and everything. But he spent years in obscurity. Years in obscurity. And the Lord uh, brought him out of that. But at the same time, he had to go through those things to be able to be the leader that God called him to be. And so we're going to pick up with that. We're going to pick up with that. And we're going to look at what happened after Moses um, was called by God, right? He was called by God. And we can see a stark difference between the man when he, when he ran away, when he had to flee. But when God called him and was ready to use him, we see a stark difference. Before we get to that, I have my brother in studio here. Uh, have Wesley Wildman. And we're going to talk about a great opportunity that we have uh, to really minister in the community. And, man, you know, this has been going on for a few years. It kind of had a, a, a time where it wasn't active, but Wesley brought it back. And I think for the last four or five years, it's been going strong. And so we want to talk about the Men of Honor program. Wesley, thank you for being on with me, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. And that's right. We are brothers in Christ, and that's, that's a right. wonderful thing. And uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to come on Aaron the Addisons and talk about uh, Men of Honor and, yes. and in two formats. Yes. Look, Men of Honor, why now? Like, why do we need this type of program? I want to ask you because um, it, the importance of it, man, it can't be overemphasized, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, before I answer the question about mm-hmm. why it's needed, mm-hmm. let me tell our audience a little bit about what it is. And, uh, and and now it's offered in two formats. So we are hosting this summer, June and July, a Men of Honor program here on campus at our headquarters in Tupelo, Mississippi at AFA. It's every Tuesday we come together, and it's for young men ages 7 to 17 where we disciple them in the Word of God, we teach them a skill set, each week is a different one, anywhere from craftsman skills to mechanic skills to how to apply for a job, as well as we eat food, free food, <laughs> and we play games as well. So we do all that each Tuesday night at our headquarters. And if you're within driving distance, with if you're within about 30, 45 minutes, it's going to be definitely worth your drive. It's completely for free, and you can register for the local event uh, that's hosted here at AFA in the summertime, you can register at afa.net slash menofhonor. That's afa.net slash menofhonor. You can go there and register, and we'd love to see you. Any young man that's in your life, if, you, if you're thinking about somebody at your church, or young man at your church, or if you're thinking about your son, 
Uh, or, or maybe you, maybe your husband wants to bring his son, uh, y'all's son. Mm-hmm. I bring my son. Will's uh, participated at times, and he's brought his son. Mm-hmm. In fact, Will's going to be one of our uh, Bible teachers this summer as well, mm-hmm. as he was last summer. So yeah. uh, you'll be able to come to do that. Go check that out. All the details are there too. So some of the things that I may have left out is right there. Now, mm-hmm. with that said, uh, we also are uh, taking that the, the program that I just described, and we have it in a curriculum as well. And it gives you a play-by-play from what you should expect from the table counselors or those that volunteer or the Bible teachers, their expectations, all the way down to uh, what uh, what each Tuesday should look like over the summer. So we've got that. You can go to resource at afa.net. That's resource at afa.net. So type in Men of Honor, and that curriculum is there as well. There's been at least, to my knowledge, because they've contacted me, and I've got a voicemail on my phone here that maybe next time I'm on we can play it but of a churches who have taken this and they're applying it to their church awesome for the summer yeah uh, and so they've taken the curriculum because they, one of them's in uh, about four hours away in Tennessee mm-hmm. another one's in Kentucky another one's in Texas and so we've taken what we just described and we've got it here packaged and it's also free just go there and uh, uh, you can download it now back awesome. to your question and part of the discussion with the time we have mm-hmm is why is a men of honor, uh, the discipleship program that we have here at AFA, why is it necessary? Well, uh, I've mentioned this many, many times during my time of working full-time at AFA, and that's that I see and I believe uh, many, if not most, of the issues that we're facing in our culture mm-hmm. in America, specifically, is as a result of the breakdown of the American family the way God designed it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so you've got a lot of, uh, in many cases, um, and this is the easiest stat to go to, and so that's the reason I'll go here. And and it, it actually it, it helps make the picture better. However, this can be applied in other areas. But if you look at prisons, mm. you look at a lot of the men that are in prison, right. many of the men in prison, in jail, right. or even those that are incarcerated on the weekends, mm. many of them, over 60%, 70% on a low number, depending on which ones you look at, how are men mm-hmm. who were raised by a single mom yeah, and yeah. no dad in the household. And so right. uh, we understand the value and the impact of uh, uh uh, uh, the marriage and the family, the way God designed it. Yeah. And so um, as a result, we can talk about that, and, and that needs to be addressed, and that needs to be fixed over time. Uh, and, you know, we didn't get there overnight. We're not going to get out of that overnight. However, in the meantime, what AFA wants to do is provide a solution to that. Yeah. And so um, uh, and we provide, as you've seen, and y'all, have been, y'all are a part of this uh, with the Marriage Family Life, okay? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, there's things we're doing. We're providing content. Um, with uh, AFS and other places, but what we want to do is be- with Marriage Family Life, with Men of Honor Program, what we're trying to do is provide a tangible solution that we're a part of. Yeah. So we've got content. Yeah. You know, right. we got radio. Right. We got video. Right. But we want to show you how it can be done. Yeah. And so that's the reason I know it's just, the on campus here in the summer. It's thirty boys. It's small sample mm-hmm. of America, but it's also us doing our our part in our community, but also right. providing the the um um the um curriculum so yeah. that you can duplicate it there. We uh, you, uh, will you can speak to this, but you yeah. you, you know the importance of the of a, a husband or mm-hmm. a father, how influential he is to his family. Yeah, definitely. And just to your point, you know, and I'll get to that 
man, having a curriculum to where anybody can go, mm-hmm. a, a church can go and say, hey, I want to do this, yep. you know, and that that expands it. It you does. know, so now you can do the same thing that's being done here locally. So that's a great thing. Wonderful. But yeah, the importance of, of having a father and, and in the home, I directly benefited from my dad being in my Amen. home. Right. So I had friends. A lot of my friends didn't. Yeah. And my dad kind of became like their dad. Sure. You know, so even when we're doing this, it's kind of the same type it of is. thing. Yep. You know, you, you're extending the reach of the church. You're saying, hey. Okay, we see this problem. We see that this is happening and going on. This is the way that we can, in a tangible way, reach out. Yep. And so, for me, it was big time. Like I needed my my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have him. Yep. You know, in in our home. And so, think about the countless numbers of of guys who are growing up without that father figure, mm-hmm. without you know even uncles or uh, uh, strong men in the church to be able to say, Hey, you know, I want, I want to take you here. I want to, I want to show you how to do this mm-hmm. because a, a big part of it as well as the Bible teaching is the practical application of how to do certain yep. things. And that's missing as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's crazy. We, we uh, just had a meeting, you know, talking about just some of the technology and the AI and all that. Well, man, there's some durable trades that if you have these trades, yep. man, that that won't be able to, to affect you as as, right. as quickly. You That's know? right. And yep. so even being able to teach those things, those things, those are things I got from my dad. You know, yeah, there was the instruction, there was the sure. discipline, but there was also some practical things that uh, I received, and a lot of guys are not receiving that. You're right, and and it's and what I've learned as I have grown in my in my position as a husband and as a father. And and just spiritually over time is that we've got to get away from, for those that have fallen into this, I have in the past, we've got to get away from separating our Christian life from our everyday life. Yeah. We, meaning this, and this is what I mean, mm-hmm. that it is possible to glorify God in, in, in the craftsman skills area. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like it's, yeah. not, it's, yeah. it's not two different things. For the Christian, it's not. That's right. For the Christian, we, we have the... Um, the responsibility of anything and everything that we do, Colossians three twenty three twenty one. We have, we got to be able to uh, whatever we say, whatever we do, mm-hmm. basically our words and our actions have to glorify for God, yeah. not just in a prayer time, right, or not just in our Bible study in time, our total but lives. in total life. Yeah, and yeah. so that that's the reason I thought, well, if we're going to do this, which we are, what, why are we going to? And we have time. Mm-hmm. Well, Let's add to what we what we see missing in yeah. a lot of uh, in a lot of the other discipleship areas, which is hey, while we're here, mm. let me show you how to crank up a lawnmower. Yeah, <laughs> don't right. do this. <laughs> right. right, do right. this exactly. When exactly. you're holding a hammer, yeah. watch your finger here. Right, <laughs> you know? right. So there's a lot of things too that that we that that really makes Men of Honor program uh, especially unique in its mm. in its uh, t- entirety of the discipleship process and. Um, it's very, it's very important. It's been very effective, uh, mm-hmm. both tool that people have used in the curriculum, but also on campus here at our headquarters. And I look forward to it every summer. Me, uh, young men benefit from it. And let me just add this to it: if you are, uh, if you have any any desire to do anything like this, mm-hmm. and you're in it, but the first thing that comes to mind is I'm busy. Mm-hmm. Let me just say this real quick, and that that doesn't mean you don't need to pray about it. Yeah, and and it may be not, it may not be the season. Mm-hmm. But let me just say this to prevent the Satan Satan going any further <laughs> to keeping you from doing it. Right, and that's that. This curriculum was written at the time. Uh, I was a deacon, baseball coach, father, <laughs> husband, obviously full time staff member, and was traveling for my work. So 
this, if it's done the way the curriculum is set up, is only an, a total of eight meetings. Mm, now, okay. now from that, mm-hmm. you can do as much as you want. You right, know, right. you can, you can expand. Yeah, it you can you expand want. it and keep yeah. going. Um, or, or you can do what one person did and cut it in half and did it during their winter break, and they mm. just did four weeks during, yeah. during December when all the so kids. So you can were off. tailor it the way yes. that you desire. Yeah, you can, you can, you yeah. can, uh, tw- you can uh, tweak it yeah. to best fit your scenario. Uh-huh. But if you take it, if you take it as it's written, it's eight meetings in the summer. Yeah. And that's how I've – there's been times over the years where we're going on our fifth consecutive year, our, our second year on campus here, mm-hmm. uh, summertime. And sure, leading up to it a couple months, I'm going, I don't know, do I have time for this this summer? Mm-hmm. And then how I how I uh, push through that is I look in and go, wait a minute, this is – we're getting together eight times. Yeah. <laughs> Total. Yeah. Uh, for, my, for, for the year. Right. Um, and um, so – so just remember, it, it's very doable for the person that does have a busy schedule. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're you know 25, 30, 40 year old dad and you've got six, four, five, six kids and yeah. you got a lot going on, I get that. Um, but at the end of the day, you're you're the impact and the influence, and now being able to take my son. Mm-hmm. So now my son's mm-hmm. going with me. Yeah. So it's that much more beneficial. So we'll be doing this for the foreseeable future here at AFA uh, headquarters during the month of June and July, and it can be done. It can be done. It can be done. Yeah. All right. So if people want information, they can go right to AFA.net. And uh, I found it by just going to, let's see, where is it? The Activism, I yep, believe it that's was. That's right. Yep. And scroll down. It had the events. events. Yeah, yes. And it went right there. And you can get all the information, ages 7 to 17. Um, uh, man, it's just a, why not do it? Yep. You know, why Very not impactful. be a part? And the God has used it. I'm, I'm sure uh, there have been some relationships that have continued even beyond the, those eight weeks, you know, oh, absolutely. Um, yep. I, I know for sure, uh, for me, there have been uh, at least one relationship that has a, a extended beyond the men of honor time, yep. you know, that I'm still in that person's life. And so Wonderful. the thing is, you know, it's just an opportunity. And if you are not uh, here locally, you can get the curriculum and do it where you are. So if 100%. you have that in your heart to do, you know, man, it, it, this would be, this would be great for you. It's a good setup. So, uh, Wesley, anything else that you want to just encourage about the men of honor? And uh, what if what if women are saying, what about girls? They, they yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in the future, I can see us producing a women of honor uh, program very, that would be very similar, that would accomplish the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, we're trying to get this uh, in, in its perfect form yeah. <laughs> um, before we move on to something else. But I yeah. can see that being an option for the future uh, for AFA as well. Uh, last but not least, with my time here, just want to point people to afa.net slash events mm-hmm. because while Men of Honor is there, also you can see other other areas and other places in which AFA and some of our staff will be traveling. Of course, I'll mention these. we got Marriage Family Life Conference coming up, mm-hmm. and then we got the Ark Encounter with uh, Mickey and Will and, the, and some of the wild ones. We'll be there for that. So go check out that. We're doing the best we can to get out there and meet y'all, share with y'all our lives and what we're doing, the things we're learning yeah. here um, at AFA. Awesome. Man, thank you so much for being on. And uh, thank I think you it's going to be a, another great year. Amen. So praise God. God for that. Well, this is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. And we'll pick it back up talking about Moses and what qualified him to be a leader, uh, God's type of leader. And so stick with me. We'll be back right after this.
commandments Rolled up in one Love your neighbor as you love yourself Come on Don't forget that when you help all It's the Lord that you help He wanna say We gon' make it, we gon' make it, we gon' make it Say We gon' make it, we gon' make it, we gon' make it all right Make it, we gon' make it, we gon' make it. Yeah. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. That's we're gonna make it. Jacob. And today we're talking about why Moses was qualified to be the leader that he was. And so before um we're talking to Wesley, we kind of talked about before um Moses was called by God, he tried to do some things in, in his own strength, right? He tried to do some things in his own strength, but he had to be broken. He had to be humbled. And so after that, God was able to use him. And that's just how it is. A lot of times we try, we try to do things in our own strength and it don't go well. But man, when we settle down, chill out, relax, and let God, you know, use us and, and let him do it, then we find out that things run a lot smoother. So in Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4 is when you have the situation where God is calling Moses. And there's a few things that stick out in those chapters. You can go read them for yourself. I, I, I highly um, request that you would read Exodus 3 and 4. And just the whole, the whole, the whole, man, book of Exodus. I mean, it's just amazing. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Bible, right? The Bible. But Moses is tending the flock of his father-in-law. So now he is has been removed from the spotlight. He's not in Pharaoh's house anymore. He is running away because he killed the man and he finds himself in his father-in-law's house, right? Jethro, and he's tending the flock. He's not in the place of limelight. He's not in the place of, you know, um, hey, look at me. He's in the, the fields with the sheep. <laughs> tending the flock, right? He's not seeking to be a deliverer any longer. He's not, you know, uh, striving to do something. He's tending sheep. And he's probably become very satisfied with doing so. He's probably be- become comfortable doing that. You see, God used Moses. He was going on 80 years old. So these, this was years and years and years that Moses had to be set down and had to come to grips with who he was and also had to come to, to grips with, man, his pride, right, and, and his anger and all of those things. So he was not seeking to be a deliverer any longer, but God presents himself to Moses through the burning bush. The bush was burning but was not, was not consumed. So he turned around, you know, aside to see that thing, and God spoke to Moses, gives him a mission, tells him, therefore come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. So now God is like, I can use you now. See, you're not doing your own thing. Now I can use you. Moses is now broken. And and look how he um, replies to God. He said, who am I 
that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of the land. Who am I? Now, before he saw an injustice being done and he took it upon himself. Apparently, he thought he was the man then to solve the problem. But now, after being broken, he's like, who am I? Like, I'm a, I'm a nobody. I, I can't do what you're calling for me to do. But see, when we get to this place, this is the place where God can truly use us. He can truly use us in this place, right? So we have that re- re- reply from Moses. But then Moses began to give God's reason why he can't go. First, he said, you know, if I go, they won't believe me. They won't listen to me. So God did some miracles there and said, you know, what's that in your hand? Take that and, you know, throw it on the ground. Like he began to do some things to confirm that I am with you, Moses. Right. But Moses is like, man, they're not going to believe me. You know, they're not, not going to listen. And then after God did those miracles with Moses's rod, he had more excuses. He says, I'm not eloquent. He said, I'm, I'm slow of speech and, and, and I'm slow of tongue. You know, I can't speak. So God provided something for that. He said, I know your brother Aaron, he can speak. And, you know, now God initially wanted to use Moses. He's Moses. He said, who made the mouth? Who made the tongue? Like, I can use you. Like, you let me worry about that. But Moses persisted, you know, and God was like, okay, there's Aaron. I'll use him. And you are going to be to him as God. You know, you're going to speak and he's going to speak the things that you're going to speak to him and he's going to speak the things that I'm saying to you. So God did that. But we could see a totally different Moses. Now he was broken. Now he was in the place of like, man, I can't do it. When we get to that place, that's when God desires to use us. So God gives the remedies to all those excuses and tells Moses, hey, I said to go. He is now, Moses is now in perfect position to do what God called him to do. Because why? He has no more self-reliance. He's not relying on himself. So that quality right there, that's one of the qualities to being a leader. Leaders have to be humbled. Leaders shouldn't be prideful. Not the leaders that God want to use. They would do more damage, <laughs> you know, to others and even to themselves by being prideful leaders. If you ever come into contact with a prideful leader, you know what I'm saying. Someone who can't take this from you, can't, you know, can't take instruction or can't take ideas or they, they feel like it's all in, in them and, you know, they don't want to hear from anybody else and, you know, they kind of lord it, lord it over you and things like that. That's not good, good qualifications for the godly leader. So what qualifies Moses to lead? Well, Moses was humbled. Another word we may want to use is meek. He, and he was not, he had grown to be so that he was not quick to defend himself when he was done wrong. He was meek. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 12, Numbers chapter 12, 
Right about verse 3. Well, I'll just go ahead and read some of it. I'll start at verse 1. And this was an account where Moses, where Moses was with his brother and sister Miriam and Aaron, and they began to speak against him. And the Bible says that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And look, what they, look at what they said. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? Like, what makes him so special? You know, he didn't went around there and married a Cushite woman. And, you know, like, he's not the only one that God's speaking to. He, he, he can speak to us as well. Wow. And so the Bible, man, the Bible is real and raw. It, it tells you exactly what happened. So they said, has, um, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard it. <laughs> now the man, now this is the thing, verse 3. And this is amazing to consider. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we need to just stop and, 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 and think about what has been said. In verse 3, this is remarkable to me. It says, now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. <laughs> That's amazing to me. More than any man on the face of the earth, Moses was humble. Wow. Now, this is a far cry from the Moses before he left Egypt. But now he's being called very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Amazing to consider. Then the Bible says, suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, you three come out to the tent of meeting. When God called, called you to the tent of meeting, it was going down. It, was, it, was, it wasn't for, you know, it was like, look, y'all come here. I need to have a meeting with y'all. So the three of them came out, and then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the doorway of the tent. And he called Aaron and Miriam, and they uh, both came forward. And he said, now listen to this. Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I speak, I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. And with him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in dark sayings. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, against Moses? So the anger of the Lord burned against them and he departed. But when the cloud had withdrawn from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. As Aaron turned toward Miriam, behold, she was leprous. Then Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, I beg you, do not account this sin to us in which we have acted foolishly and in which we have sinned. Oh, do not let her be like one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes from his mother's womb. 
And Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, O God, heal her, I pray. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not bear her shame for seven days? Let her be shut up for seven days outside the camp, and afterward she may be received again. So Miriam was shut up outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until Miriam was received again. And afterward, however, the people moved out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. This is a powerful passage here. Because there's nowhere in that passage do you, that, that you see Moses trying to defend himself. Even when he, these accusations have come up against him and when they are like, man, God speaks through us as well, not only through Moses. You don't see Moses saying, look. I'm the one that God gave. I have this rod. I, I'm the one, you know, remember the uh, remember uh, the Red Sea? Remember this? Remember that? Moses don't say any of that. As a matter of fact, Moses does not speak at all until he prays for Miriam. Humility. God fought for Moses. God came and said something on behalf of Moses. He displayed great humility. He didn't try to defend himself. This was a a great quality for a leader. Just imagine that. These people, brother and sister coming up against him and saying that he's not worthy to be a leader. God speak to us too. Moses resisted the urge to like defend himself. And what humility does, it opens up the door for God to defend you. For God to defend you. Oh, that we would be a humble people and that we wouldn't try to fight our own battles, but that we would rely on God who defends those who are humble. The Bible says, again, that he resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Lastly, and my time is running out, A qualification that Moses had was that he was intimate with God. He had an intimate relationship with God. The Bible declares that that Moses knew God's ways while the children of Israel, they knew his acts. That's a totally different thing. That's two totally different things. To know the acts of God and to know the ways of God, that's two different things. In Psalm 103, even the psalmist, even David declared, he said that, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. That's how he was able to be a leader. And it harkens back to Exodus chapter 33, verse 12 to 16. And you can read it. It's where Moses asked the Lord. He said, let me know your ways. Let me know your ways. If you're going to be a God type leader, a godly leader, you have to be humble. You have to resist the urge to defend yourself and you have to have true intimacy with God. These are just a few lessons from Moses. Now, Moses was not perfect. He had an anger issue and it would disqualify him from even entering into the promised land. But that's one reason why What he did in disobeying God and striking the rock twice was so egregious because he knew God's ways. 
but yet he acted out in his own flesh. This is Aaron Addison's. We'll be back with you tomorrow, but until then, God bless.